well, I've never had this happen before, but after Elena read the passage from Revelation and that great song, I want to ask for a time out so I can go back to the conference room and write a sermon on Revelation. I, I was like, whoa, well, how did I blow that? <laughs> well, today on the church calendar is Rogation Sunday. That's why you're hearing songs about armadillos and the earth and agriculture and sowing and reaping and all that kind of thing. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of this week are the Rogation Days. Ascension Day comes on Thursday. That word Rogation comes from the Latin word rogari. There's not a lot of cognates in English, but interrogation, interrogate, interrogative come from that word. It means asking. The Rogation Days are days of asking, and especially asking for protection. You know, as I look at the prayer book tradition, and especially the 1662, the, the first prayer book in our, well, the, 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 the standard prayer book in our tradition, not the first one. Um, there's a lot of expression of fear. There's a lot of honest expression of fear. And it even shows up in our, in our evening prayer and Compline services. Fear of what might happen during the night. There's lots of fear of bad things happening at night. Real serious fear of real serious bad things happening at night. It's the tradition on Rogation Sunday to say the great litany. I didn't think about it. But I might have requested that. Maybe we'll do that next year. But the great litany is a rambling off of all the things you can possibly be afraid of. Have you ever wondered where the phrase, things that go bump in the night, comes from? It's from the great litany in the old Scottish prayer book. The celebrant says, from ghosties and ghoulies and things that go bump in the night... And the people respond, good Lord, deliver us. Well, we can have a good laugh about it. But hear the earnestness behind that response from ghosties and ghoulies and things that go bump in the night. And the people respond, good Lord, deliver us. I've been on my own the last week. And, uh, you know, something I discovered is things that go bump in the night are kind of scary. They really are kind of scary. Rogation days are about asking for relief from fear. And in our Anglican tradition, the days are focused on prayers for agriculture. What's the connection between fear and agriculture? Fear that there won't be a harvest. We focus our prayers on a bountiful harvest. A lot of us, I think, have forgotten about agriculture. I mean, seriously, when was the last time you prayed for a bountiful harvest? I think I've, I've been blessed that most of my life I've been connected to agriculture in one way or another. As far as I know, there are only two clergymen in the Anglican Church of North America who've actually worked as shepherds. I'm one of them. Leander Harding, who's the dean at uh, uh, the Cathedral in Albany, is the other. Father Alex took a course from him uh, last year sometime. And, and so my, my wife and I have owned a farm for the last 22 years. Um, our primary product is pine wood. Let me tell you, if you want to go into farming, pine trees are where it's at. You don't have to bring them in at night. You don't have to worry about coyotes. They pretty much take care of themselves. But we've dabbled in other things as well. I'm glad to be connected with Dr. Langland and Dr. Stokes and Dr. Hansen and people who've devoted their professional lives to agriculture and providing people with food. 
And so I'm, I'm, I live in a place where I'm constantly reminded of the importance of agriculture, and I think that's been a good thing for me because I think a lot of us have forgotten about a lot of stuff. Americans have forgotten about a lot of things. I, I, I run through this list with my students every, every class and every semester I work it in. I tell them, if you, in the global perspective, if you live within a quarter mile of a place where you can go and turn a faucet and get a cup of water and you can drink that water and not get sick, you are rich. You are rich. If you can walk into a room in your light and turn on a switch and the light comes on, you're filthy rich. And the third one almost always surprises them. The key, the key to generational wealth is if you can go into a place and you can either put money in or it's your own machine and you can put clothes into that machine and the machine will wash those clothes, you have unlocked the secret to your family's wealth. Because some of us have been there. Tony Ladden and Janice Ladd have been there. Gretchen's shaking her head, nodding her head. Father Alex, I've been there and, and seen women spending all day washing clothes. Americans have forgotten why we wash clothes. It's not said so you smell nice. It's because when your clothes get dirty, the sand and the soil gets trapped in the fabric. And then as you move your, your body around, the, all that sand that's trapped inside the clothes starts sawing through the threads. If you don't wash your clothes, then your clothes are gone. We've forgotten it, but we think we're supposed to be because we smell nice. Well, okay, it's nice to smell nice, but we've forgotten even why we wash clothes. But the key to the, to, washing the machine, to the washing machine is that women have free time during the day. And what do they do? They start businesses. And if they're going to start a business, they have to learn how to read. And the, the, the studies are out there. It just intuitively, you know this one. Mothers who know how to read do not raise illiterate children. And child literacy is the key to unlocking the future of wealth for a family. We've forgotten all about this. Maybe we got reminded a little bit some of, some of the shortages during COVID. I, I've mentioned before in a sermon the time that I walked in the grocery store and an entire section of meat was gone. I think it was the pork, pork section. It doesn't matter. But it's like you look and there's, there's a little bit of beef, some chicken, and then nothing in the pork section. I'm just standing there and I still don't know how I felt. I wasn't confused because I knew what was going on. I wasn't baffled because I understood it. But I'm just staring at this empty space in the grocery store. And I still don't know how to describe how I felt. And it may get worse in the world. Ukraine produces 10% of the world's wheat. We don't import it to the United States, but it gets imported somewhere. That's a massive amount of food. There's much to fear in the world. And as much as we have forgotten in our blessing of living in this country, as much as we've forgotten, we've not forgotten how to fear. Our lives are still wrapped up with fear. Maybe we don't fear not being able to find water, but our lives are still trapped in fear. And Jesus says to his disciples, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts, hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid.
not as the world gives peace. How does the world give peace? Mostly by a bunch of people getting killed. That's just the truth. That's mostly what brings peace to the world, is a bunch of people getting killed. How did the Allies bring peace to Europe in 1945? A bunch of people got killed. My great uncle, Marshall Brumbeck, was in the room when Dwight Eisenhower issued the order, and he says, said, every man in the room was in tears. Even your own side is going to lose people, and the other side is going to lose people, but that's the way that peace comes about in the world. Peace is a good thing, but it oftentimes brings a terrible price. And look, that's just the way the world works. And I'm not making a judgment in our broken world. It may be necessary. I'm not, I'm not debating that. I'm not opening up that, that whole moral issue. I'm just telling you the truth is that most times in the world, peace comes because an awful lot of people have died. But Jesus brings peace another way. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were at war with God, enemies of God, instead of crushing us, Christ crushed our enemy. He crushed our enemy instead of crushing us. He defeated death because ultimately that's what humans fear the most. He defeated death and through his own death he offers peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled neither let them be afraid. Let not your hearts be troubled. I can tell you that it's going to be okay. Life is going to be okay. Not all the parts of life will be okay. Not each moment of life will be okay. But Christ defeated your biggest enemy and you'll be okay even when you face death. Because Jesus defeated death And he came back to tell us that he's okay now. It's going to be okay because Jesus defeated death. So let not your hearts be troubled and neither let them be afraid. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.